And we're going into the book of 2 Corinthians this morning to verse number 1 of chapter number 13. I want to read this and I pray that the Lord might help us. My duty today is to try to inform you, strengthen you, and try to encourage you, challenge you, strengthen you, blister you too if I need to. Amen. That God might help us. I don't have to tell you we're in the last days. We're in troublous times. And I was told again this morning, I hear it every day, I was told again this morning that we're going to continue to have a food shortage. Now, if you think it's going to get better, you just better get used to what we got and hope it don't get any worse. But I'm going to tell you it will. The black horse of famine ain't come out yet. Of course, we're still here. And uh, we're not, we'll be leaving, I believe, for them. But the Bible talks about a loaf of bread, price of a day's wages. And if you think you're going to stay fat all your life, you better wake up. We're going to hit some uh, narrow times. Somebody is. If you're left, I'm gonna. I'm going where the heavenly manna is fed every day. Praise God for that. Not so much for that, but the thirteenth chapter of Second Corinthians. I want you to stand in reverence to the Word of God, not me. And I want us to read. The Bible said in the thirteenth chapter, Second Corinthians. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. That means when they come around you, I'm, I'm not preaching this, I'm just going to throw this in because I want to throw it in, it fits. That's, that's a privilege of a preacher. He says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, somebody comes to you and tells you something about me, you said, is that right? You say, yeah, you said... Get you a pencil and piece of paper and write it down and say, okay, what? Now tell me again. Get it all done. Now, when they get it all said, turn it around and tell them to sign it. And if you get two more witnesses, bring it up. Yep. Or don't believe it. Yep. Amen. That's not the tendency of man, but that's Bible. He said, I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. I could preach on that, but I'm not. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you is not weak, but is mighty in you. Now notice what they were doing. They were seeking a proof of Christ in Paul. Has anybody ever tried to seek a proof of Christ in you? Could they find it if it did? For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he live, liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now the next verse is my text. 
Examine yourselves. They didn't tell me to examine you. Sometimes I do. And sometimes you do. But God said you to examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Most of us have a tendency to try to prove somebody else and their faith. You ever caught yourself doing that? But God said we're to prove ourselves. Examine ourselves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. So Paul's trying to say that if you can know that you're a Christian, but at the same time you can know if you're a reprobate. Now Paul's saying, figure out which one you are. Heads bowed, you can be seated. Father, I pray you'd give us wisdom and understanding as we study the Word of God. Lord, we thank you this morning that we have the Bible. That's all we need. Lord, we got one book between us and glory. And Lord, we realize it's the one book that's not used very often. It's despised. It's the greatest book ever been written. The greatest book has ever been given. We thank you, Lord, that you not only have given us the Word of God, but you have preserved it for us and kept it above all the other books of the world. Thank you, Lord, today that we have a copy of it. Thank you, Lord, for its divine truths that we can know who we are and what we are and why we are. I pray, God, you'd show us our heart. May we stand today in the gap, make up the hedge, for the cause of Christ, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, nothing will take the place this morning of the word of the living God. Nothing, not one verse, amen, is to be left alone. It's for our good and God's glory. We're to study the word of God. Paul was one of the most amazing apostles to me. He outstretched all of them. He outdone all of them. He was, to me, a very great preacher. He done more in the work of God than most New Testament preachers I ever seen. I believe he's second in command to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. I read on and find that Paul was the most mission-minded preacher of the New Testament. I find that he is the most evangelistic preacher in the Old Testament. He had an evangelistic appeal. I see in the Word of God that he never left the apostles in the arena or the era, amen, on his own. He stayed with God. As the fellow said, he stayed with the stuff. He is the most mission-minded he done more to do for God than most anybody ever has. He was one of the most educated preachers. He didn't go to mission conferences and build up his name. He, he built up Christ. He didn't take anything from them. We're going to read that in just a minute. He 
uh, was stood for the truth and stayed with it, and I thank God for that. Now, I want you to back up with me just for a, a moment and notice what Paul said. Let's go back to the 11th chapter. I'm going to lay a groundwork for you this morning, and then we're going to talk about how can we know that we're Christian. How can we know? I believe you can know. Somebody said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out if I'm a Christian. Don't you wait that long. That's dangerous business. That's gambling with your most precious item, your soul. You better know today. Oh, preacher, you can't know today till you get to heaven. Oh, yes, you can know. Amen. How do you know you're here this morning? Anybody look in the mirror today before you come to church? Anybody? One, two, three. Okay. You, you catch. Wake up! How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Was that proof that you were here? Amen. Two things I do. I look, in, I look at the obituaries and my name ain't there. I get up and get. And the second thing I do, I look in the mirror to see if I'm still here. Amen. Then we all both go together. But I'll tell you, I, was, I found out I was here and my name's not in the obits today. Amen. So here I am. I'm going to preach to you now. Wake up. And I look in this and, and Paul comes to us in chapter 11. And he said, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. In other words, Paul said, Put up with me. I want you to bear. In other words, they had some bad names about Paul and for Paul. They had uh, talked about him. They were scared of him. Some of them were. And some of them thought he was off the wall. And some thought he was a deadbeat. Don't that sound like what people think of preachers in this day? Sure do. And so what happens is said in verse 2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Somebody said, we ain't supposed to be jealous. Well, Paul had a godly jealousy. Now somebody tell me what godly jealousy is. Amen. We don't never major on that, do we? We're just jealous, and it's a personal jealousy against somebody. But there's a godly jealousy, a jealousy that we should desire. And, uh, you know, he said, I got a godly. In other words, they're doing something for, for God. He was kind of jealous of them. Not that he wanted what they had, but he'd like to be like them. And that's what God wants us. If we see somebody's living for God, we should not. Be jealous of them because they're living for God. We ought to have a desire to be like them and do it ourselves. Huh? Did you know you could be better than what you are this morning? Hey, let me tell you this. Did you know you could be better than what you are this morning? Did you know you could be more holy than you are? Do you know you could be more righteous than you are? Do you know you could be more active for God than you are? Do you know you could win souls to God? No. In this old modern day, nobody wants to get saved. Nobody wants to tell about Jesus either. There's your problem. Now Paul says, But I fear lest any means... Well, let me go back to verse 2. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband. 
Amen. I've committed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now he's talking about church members. I've committed you to the Lord. I've uh, put you in the hands of God. I have espoused you or involved you with Christ. He's yours. We are the bride. He's the Christ. He's the bridegroom. And he said, I have presented you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I put you as a clean individual, unspotted from the world. That's where I put you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, everybody that's been saved this morning has been presented to the Lord in an unspotted fashion. If He sanctifies you, you belong to Him. Brother, He'll make you a chaste virgin, spiritually speaking. It's up to you to stay there. Some of you just won't do it. And Paul had some in the church here that wasn't doing it. He's getting on to them. Verse 3, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. Was Eve Adam's wife when she was beguiled? Paul is using that and he said, Some in the church have been just like that. They're Christ's wife. But they've been beguiled by the devil and their mind's been changed and their mind's been warped and they've sold themselves out in sin. Now, there's a lot of subjects right here we could preach on, but I'm going to stay with what I'm started. He said, the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility. Don't you ever underestimate the power of Satan. He'll destroy you in a heartbeat. Somebody said, I'm so full of God, he wouldn't destroy me. Don't you give him a half a chance. They meant a many a man and woman went to a premature grave because they wouldn't obey God. So your minds should be corrupted. Do you believe church folks can have corrupted minds? You don't preach that, I do. Amen. I believe you can have corrupted minds. The more I listen to the devil, that's why I said when you come to the funeral home, don't talk about everything under the sun when I'm lying in state. Don't give reverence to me. Give it to the Lord. But, amen. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now look at this. Verse 4. Two places in your Bible you'll find this. In verse 4 it said, For if he uh, that cometh preaches another Jesus. Do you believe we got people today preaching another Jesus? All over the country. Whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit. Do you believe we got another spirit? Which ye have not received, or another gospel. Do you believe we got another gospel? Preached all over the country, all that. Which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now look at verse 5 and 6. Paul said, For I suppose I was not a whip behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be, look at this, rude in speech. Somebody said, Boy, I'd like to have Paul for a preacher. I'd like to have him for a pastor. He's rude. What? No, you're not. 
that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. That's pretty rude. Amen. He wasn't a lily-livered, uh, massaging, back-stroking uh, you know, back preacher. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been truly, not thoroughly, truly made manifest among you in all things. There's a word, that word truly is different than thoroughly. Truly, that's all over you. I mean, through and through you. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Paul said, think on these things in a sense. And he's trying to say here, uh, examine yourself to see where you're in this or not. There's a lot of people, and I'm concerned about them. I, I con I'm concerned about church folks all the time. I mean, that's also on my mind is the things of God and the things of the church. Don't tell me how many times I get to pray for you every day. I would never believe before I started pastoring that church people could be as strong to you, to you as, a, as a family is. People don't understand this, but the preacher gets involved with his church. He may not say anything about it. But if he ain't involved with his church... And I don't mean he's going to Walmart and uh, bowling alleys and gob courts and hunting and fishing and all that. That's not what the preacher's job is. God called me to declare the Word of God. And my job is to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Amen. Seasoned with the power of the Holy Ghost. With enough power from heaven that will drive it into your heart. I can't make you do right. I raise kids like you have. And I couldn't make them do right. But every once in a while they'd, they'd do right and I wasn't even expecting it. Uh, a few times. A few times. You with me? Every once in a while we do something that pleases God. I was teaching in the Hebrews this morning, and this fits pretty good. I'll mention in Hebrews, the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1 is magnifying God and His Son, mainly Christ. And that's what God wants us to do. Have you ever, and I know the devil's come on you a few times and said, You ain't real. You ain't real. Uh, sometimes he may use the neighbor to do it. And the neighbor says, you ain't real. Sometimes he might use your family. Uh, Job had a wife that said, won't you just trust, uh, curse God and die? And he said, you talk like one of the foolish women. And sometimes it might be somebody on the job that don't, don't think you're real. And if you're not careful, if they don't do it, the devil himself will tell you, you're not real. And of course, some of you don't know where you're real or not. And if you don't know where you're real or not, you've got a problem. And I'm going to try to help you with that this morning. How do you know? Somebody said, I'm waiting. I get to heaven to see if I'm there. And see if I made it. I'm not worried about making it to heaven. So, well, I'm worried about it. Well, quit worrying about me going to heaven. 
Get the same worry you got and do it that. Worry is a sin anyhow. Quit sinning and get right. So what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that we need to examine ourselves. Let's go back and read that again. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Whether ye be saved. Whether ye be right. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. He said, prove yourself. Prove yourself to yourself that you are saved. Prove yourself that you're in Christ. Well, preacher, when I was 13, I went walking down the aisle and joined the church. Okay, prove that with the Word of God that that saved you. You'd be surprised at the people, you ask them they're saved, and they'll say, I got baptized when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, 25. Baptism don't save you. It's evidence that you've been to Calvary and you're following the Lord in death, burial, and resurrection to walk in the newness of life. That's what baptism is. Baptism can't wash away sin. Never has, never will. You said, oh yeah, that's the way New Testament... Well, how do Old Testament people get saved? They didn't baptize. Oh no, they circumcised. Oh, so they had another act or something, huh? I read in the Bible, by grace through faith are you saved. And the Bible says, without faith you cannot please God. Well, that's just New Testament. No, that's Old Testament, New Testament. Abraham believed God, so he had faith. Faith is from Genesis to Revelation. Faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Well, the Old Testament didn't see Christ. He wasn't. He didn't have any blood because he hadn't been here yet. So they wouldn't trust in his. Oh yeah. Every time they killed an animal, caught the blood, that was a type of the supreme sacrifice that God was going to send through Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So they looked forward to one of these days God sending a lamb. You said they didn't have that. Isaiah 53 says He is coming. Read it when you get home. By faith, they looked forward to Calvary. They didn't know all the details of Calvary. They didn't see the cross and all that says, but they seen a, a, a Savior, a Redeemer, a kinsman Redeemer, by the way, to forgive them of their sin. Well, He came and died, went to the grave, arose on the third day, and then the Jewish people, they did not accept Him. They didn't classify Him as a supreme sacrifice. They're still going to the wailing wall every day and praying for the Messiah to come. Because they didn't see Him when He came the first time. They didn't recognize Him. But we as a church... We look back to Calvary that He is the Redeemer. Somebody said, I just can't understand that. How come the Jews got it all mixed up? Well, how come you get everything mixed up every once in a while? Human flesh. We've got to follow the Word of God. So we see all Well, that still ain't answered the question, how do you know? How can you know this morning? Let me just give you some ways. I, I was baptized. I can take you back to the river. 
They moved the bridge over now, but it's there in, in, the, in the place somewhere right over here between Habersham County and White County at the Chattahoochee, they dumped me under. But I went there because I was already saved. I've not claimed to never have and never will preach that I was baptized and that saved me because it didn't. But I was already changed before I went to the baptismal pool. God raised me up. And I've been going at it ever since. God called me to preach when I was a young man. Young teenage man. I run from God for four or five years. Sung in the choir at the church. Led singing. Got into a singing group and thought I was going to sing it off. Studied the Bible and told the Lord when I learned the Word of God, I'd preach. And none of that was successful. God dealt with my heart. I was in high school. I knew then God had called me to preach. I never told my family. I got a brother here this morning. I don't reckon I ever, I don't reckon I ever told you I was going to preach, did I? But I knew I was going to. I just thought maybe God had changed His mind before I got there. And I read in the Word of God that God's calling are without repentance. means God don't change His mind when He makes up His mind. So one day I'm trying to sing off the calling. And God got so strong on me, I stopped the singing and just told everybody God had called me to preach. And after I'd done that, the devil said, you sure have made a, a spectacle out of yourself today. You've made an idiot in this church. Now you're going to have to go do what you said. The devil crawl on you when you're doing something for God. And I remember starting off and I was scared to death and started preaching. And God's blessed and blessed and blessed. But let me just tell you why I know that God has been with me and why I know that I'm saved. I didn't start preaching to get saved or stay saved. I didn't go get baptized to get saved or stay saved. But I've done what God said, go ye in all parts of the world. And brother, God put something down in here. Every child of God has got this. I'm not talking about a preacher. I'm talking about you. If you don't have what I'm fixing to tell you right now, you better examine your soul. We got multitudes of our churches filled with people like this. We got them here. You come in Sunday, you sit down, you go home, you throw your Bible down, you forget it, you turn on the television. Used to know more about uh, the what is that little thing I used to have? TV guide. Don't have that anymore much, I don't think, but maybe they do. I don't know. I don't I have none of that, so I have to put up with it. But you get entertained most of the time. Most of the time, you entertain yourself with a with a cell phone. That's your life. It's built around that. You don't pick up your Bible no more. You don't pray no more. And certainly, something's missing today in our country is witnessing to people. Amen. You know, two years ago, a little over, COVID got so bad they shut everything down and. Tried to teach everybody to stay out of the church. That's what the devil wants. Did you know the devil is author of trying to keep people out of church? 
I know people that's out of church right now because they're trying to work out their own problems. Listen, let me tell you, you've got to come to God to get your problems worked out. Amen. I've witnessed to some just in the last few days, and they said, I'm trying to work it out. And I said, you can't fix it yourself. You can't put God at the bottom of the totem pole and expect your life to turn around. You put God first. You said, well, I just can't make it with God. If you can't make it with God, you have no hope. You have no hope. There's no hope for you. You can't put Christ first. Now, if I didn't believe, I'd have quit my Bible and go to the house. But I've been doing this for 50-something years. One of the first things that God done to me when I first started preaching, and it's not necessarily the preaching so much as even after I saved, I wanted to tell people about Jesus. God put something, number one, in my heart, a love for His church. I've had a love for the church since I got saved, except for a little short time. Let me explain that to you. I'm just going to preach personal this morning to let you know some of you have heard my testimony before. But me and my wife got married. She was a daughter of a Baptist preacher. And God hadn't called me at that time. Well, He had called me, but I hadn't answered it yet. We married. God put me in the work, made me get in it. And everybody said, it's because his wife was a Baptist preacher's daughter. And she coerced him. No ma'am. No sir. If that had been the case, I'd have quit when she died two years ago. Understand that? I got more desire today to preach the word than I've ever had. I hope my life's breath is, hey man! <laughs> and the one before it, hallelujah! And the three before that, glory to God! Hallelujah! Amen! Now if I'd have fell out on the floor, I don't know what you folks have done. But you see what I'm saying? That's where I'm at. That's also my mind. So I'd try to talk to people. Even at school, I'd talk to people about the Lord. I didn't know how to do it. Some of you don't know how to. You've been in the business for 40, 50 years, and you don't know how to do it yet. Shame on you. I pastored the church. First church I pastored. I walked into that little place. Didn't have many. Why? I'd have, if I'd had this many when I first went there, I'd have thought, boy, I was, I'm, I'm a super-duper preacher. High up on the ladder, boy, I guarantee you. And guess what? I preached. And I said, after church, I want to see you men. And they said, uh, what we want to talk about, preacher? I said, just wait till after service and I get through preaching and we'll go see I called them in back in the Sunday school room and I said, now listen, we need a visitation program here. What? What do you mean? We're going to go knock on doors and talk to people and get them to come to church. See, we, wow, preacher, we've been to every house around here. There ain't nobody coming. 
I said, then we need an altar service to find out what's wrong with us. Boy, it got quiet there. <laughs> I know I'm preaching when it gets quiet. And guess what? One of them said, you know, I think that's what we ought to do. And I said, okay. And so guess what? We decided we'd do it. They didn't know what to do. And I said, what we'll do is meet on Sunday afternoons and a husband and his wife will go visit a family that don't come to church and try to encourage them to come to church. And another couple go somewhere and we had about three, going to talk about three or four to do that. And we did it a time or two. But I had one old deacon in there. He said, I'm a chairman board of deacons around here. I've always been chairman board of deacons and I'll always be chairman board of deacons. And I said, uh, it's time to get on our knees. Let's pray. We got down to, this is within six months of the first church I'd ever pastored in my life. You talk about a novice, I was. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was just following directions from the Lord. So I got down on my knees. All, all got on our knees but two. A brother, I mean a man and his brother-in-law. And I said, get on your knees, fellas. Let's pray. He said, I ain't done nothing to get on my knees for. The very next week, I got a phone call from his wife and said he's in Gainesville Hospital with a heart attack. I went down and talked to him and stayed with him a little while, uh, every day or so. That's back when you could go to the hospitals and have freedom of talking to people. And uh, I'd go see him when he got out of the hospital Heart attacks back in them days is a lot rougher than they are now. They rough anytime. But he is six months trying to get back on his feet. And I'd drive up to see him on a Saturday afternoon. And I'd drive up and he got to where he could walk a little bit. And he stood at the door and he said, Hey, preacher! Hey, preacher! God changed his mind. And I seen what God will do. The reason I'm saying what I'm saying is because when I first got saved, I learned to love the house of God. It was number one. I had to quit having family visitors. I quit going to places even if a family is involved. I did not stay out of church. I've dedicated my life to staying in the house of God. And every child of God should do the same. Sometimes you can't be there. I understand that. And I've done that for a while. My wife and I got married. Me and her had had enough going to church. Some of you kids, let me talk to some of you kids just a minute. There's a point in time in every boy's little life, every little girl's little life, that to get up, I'm an adult. I can do what I want to do. I can go where I want to go. And I'm getting tired. And when I get older, I'm getting out of the house. And I'm getting out of the church. You probably, besides you go to church, you'll probably find one that's a little flimsy. A little dead. 
are a whole lot dead. And you won't want where the preacher, you don't want, I'm tired of being screamed at by the old deals man. And there's a lot of them won't scream at you. They won't care about your soul. You know why I'm in here? I raised three kids. From day one, when we had our first child, I wanted him to do right. I didn't know what doing right was all that much because I hadn't learned all of it. But I wanted him to do right. I wanted my second one to do right even more because I seen where I messed up with the first one. And when the third one come along, I seen where I wanted him to, her to do right because I didn't know about the first two. And when it's all said and done, I figured out I didn't know much about none of it. Well, all three of them. They got a mind of their own. The little boy go where he wants to go. The little girl goes where she wants to go. And it'll usually be the little boy, if it's a girl, the little boy will come walking around. He's got green flies flying around him and a ring and it, uh, you know, he's got all this stuff. And he's a little liberal and all that. And she just melts. <laughs> little old girl comes along. She's not really dedicated and consecrated. Little old boy looks at her and says, Woo! <laughs> and they throw their spiritual life out the window. I'm not lying. I've been in this thing 50 something years and it happens that way. How many little boys and girls today, they'll do it when they're five and six and seven and eight and nine and ten. Maybe a little less than that. But it used to be at least that much. You say, honey, pray for your husband. Pray for your a wife. Oh, give me a good wife. Oh, give me a good husband. And you're just following what mom and daddy says. But there's a point after a while that you're going to say, I don't care. I'm a man or a woman of my own. I can pick who I want. And they quit praying about whether it's Christian Word of God or what. They're more interested in the eyelids, the way they move their head, and the way they chew their chewing gum, and all that stuff. And the first question, the little boy don't look at the little girl he's going out with for first date and said, Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Has He washed away your sin? Are you born again? Oh no. What kind of potato chips you like? What do you want to eat? Little old girl don't do the same thing as the young man that comes to court her and look at her. She don't say, have you been washed in the blood, born again, going to heaven? Are you a Christian? Well, I'm, I'm not all where a lot of, more you think I guess I ought to be. And you say, oh, that's okay, honey. I'll uh, train you. And little girl, she'll try to train that little boy. Little boy will try to train that girl. And you know what happens, don't you? It don't work that way. Unless they're godly, they're not going to turn you. Or yeah, you know, or not they're not going to turn for you. You understand what I'm saying? They got a mind of their own. Hey man, what I'm saying this far is to tell you. When you walk down that aisle 
and you stand before the preacher or you go to wherever you're going to go get you a marriage at. I'm trying to tell you when you marry them, you marry them for life and there's no getting out of it till one of you croaks, Amen. well, dies. Same difference. You with me? But now society has taught you different. Well, if you don't like them, you know, you can throw out a little money on the table and you can get a divorce. It's easy to get a divorce in these days. Sometimes a woman can get a divorce from a man, a man can get a divorce from a woman, and, and the other won't even consent to it. I know some cases like that. You with me? Now, I have really got off on a subject I wasn't planning on preaching on. But I'm not apologizing. You needed it. One of the things I know that God has put in my heart is He gave me a witness and a desire to see people birthed into the family of God. Now, if you're a Christian this morning and you don't have a desire to win souls, you're stagnant and stale. And for God, you're useless. Preacher. I'm telling you, you ought to have a desire. Now, some of you old people, you can't get out and walk up down the street. You can't do, but there's lots of things you can do this morning to witness to people. Some of you in this building probably hadn't witnessed to nobody in months and maybe years. Me and my wife got tired of going to church, so we got out. One day, my wife had an accident, like to kill my son sitting over there. They didn't know where she was going to live through the night. They called the pastor in before daylight, and I didn't know that, but they called him in to come down to comfort me because they didn't think she'd live to daylight. He didn't tell me. But we prayed. We went into the chaplain's office. We sought the face of God, and I recognized I was away from God. And God put that in my heart. We started that visitation program at the first church, went to the second church. We'd, hold, we'd have about 10, 15 men on, on Thursday nights to go out and visit and knock on doors. We won people of the Lord, got people to come to the church, went to the third church I went to, and I carried about 15 or 16 young people on Saturdays in the school bus. And I tell you what, we got them girls, they dressed like ladies. Little boys is a praising God. We knocked on doors and won a lot of people to God. And God blessed that church. And every church I come to, we had a visitation program. Got it going, done it. Listen, one reason I know that God's in me is because He put something on the inside of me that wants to see people saved and not go to hell. Now that's not all. I ain't going to have time to tell you all these others. But I'm telling you that one. I come to this church. Brother Jim is not with us today. He was one that started all this. Troy was with us at that time. And I'm telling you, we knocked on every door in this county, or not in this county, but in this, and a lot of places in the county I've been run off from. And we went to the jails. We went to nursing homes. We went to the street preaching. 
We did that not to be seen or to be heard. We went there to try to win somebody to God. And then it got to where you couldn't go to people's houses. COVID's come in. We can't do it now. Little old fella come walking in one day here at this church. Some of y'all don't even know this. He come walking in one day at this church. He's just a visitor. Never seen him before in my life. He said, I come to straighten your church out. Now you come walking in and tell me you're going to come in and straighten my church out. I'm going to look at you a little funny. I said, what you going to do? He said, we're going to visit people. Well, churches don't visit, and I'm going to teach you how to visit. I said, okay, let's talk about that. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come into this church, and I want all your men together with me. I said, all right, I'll get them all together. Let's talk. So he said, I said, we'll meet down here in the print shop, and we'll talk about it. He said, we, I don't want you there, preacher. I said, you coming in to take my men, and you're going to tell them how to witness. You're going to tell them, and I'm not going to get to hear what you're doing. He said, no, it don't work that way. I said, amen, get out of here. I told him not to come back with that attitude. Amen. You said, you tell people not. Yeah, I've told people not to come back. It didn't hurt the church. It helped it. You understand what I'm saying? I believe in winning. Well, when you couldn't go knock on doors, what we done? We opened it up to go into the internet preaching and we preached day and night, pass out literature. To, see, for 35 years we've been dealing with literature that's going around the world and people's getting saved off the literature. Amen. I'm not getting the glory out of that. You ladies get the glory out. You put it together. You understand? I'm saying that's one way you... Why would anybody want to win somebody to God? Because they love God. Because God's in them. The devil won't tell you to win souls. The devil will stop you from doing it. He'll uh, beat you uh, to death. He'll beat the devil out of you. Or, amen. Well, he only guess he'll beat himself out of it. But I'll tell you right now. He'll let you carry some trouble. Amen. Well, my time's done past time. I'll just quit. I'll come back and finish. How about that? I keep saying that all the time. But I'm going to finish before I get through. Amen. That sounds funny, didn't it? You don't understand what I just said. But I'll tell you right now. I'll finish my life and the job will still be on. And somebody else can come along and fill my shoes if they can and I pray that you'll get somebody Love souls. We got a lot of churches in our county right now don't care for people. And are concerned about their life and where they're going. I do. I care where you go to spend eternity at. I found this is the best time I've ever seen in my life to witness to people out in the public. Thanks to the devil and his crowd. Amen. He's helping me out. People want to hear things now that they used not to hear before. People talk, will talk to you about the Lord now than they did five years ago. How many believes that? See, you've experienced that, haven't you? They know there's a problem. 
They know we got trouble in the country. They know we got a religious problem, a spiritual problem, a political problem, an economic problem. And they want to find some answers. So use that opportunity. Well, I was going to talk about being saved, being born again, how you know it. You love the brethren. Amen. You run around, I can't stand him. I can't stand her. Oh, I believe I'd check up this morning. I don't know any soul. I got some people that I'll leave alone, mark them at cause division, and I don't bother them. But I won't walk to the second aisle in Walmart to keep from speaking to them. They don't like me either. I've told them the truth before and preached to them. And they don't like me telling them the truth and preaching to them. But I'm not going to overlook them because I believe what I preached. And if you don't, I've had them come to church here and wouldn't shake hands with me. I've been out in the public and they wouldn't shake hands with me. I went, I've seen one and give a nod at me. And I've nodded to him and said, hey, how you doing? Just walk right on. Don't care. Don't bother me. Amen. I don't have to worry about it. If I honor the word of God, God will honor me. Amen. Get mad because I preached something, take off, got their own idea. Then they get out of church and won't come back. You try your best to get them and they won't come back. And then ten days later after they're gone for sure, they start talking about me. I've seen it over and over and over and over. Amen. But my job is to try to win them to God. My job is to win you to God. My job is to tell you the truth. Amen and amen. amen. Heads bowed. I'm going to go again if I don't. All right. I pray that God might help us. That's a little strange message, but that's what God wanted.